And it weighs 245 grams, so it's quite heavy to hit you in the face. <laughs> Welcome to Fraculous, a technology podcast for humans. Episode 321. Deleting stock apps, iPhone, S, E, and digitizing the analog. Can we talk about the thing that's exciting me the most? What is exciting you the most, Jeff? That I will be able to soon delete the bloody stocks app off my phone. There was that story, wasn't there? Oh my god, finally, Apple, you've got the hint. Why has it taken them so long? It's looking like it's not deleting, it's just oh. removing the icon. Is that okay? Can you, can you deal with that, Jeff? No, I, th I think in a world that uh, we all know that I famously have a 16 gigabyte iPhone and not, not a 64 gig. That's true, it could, it could benefit you to not have... Every kilobyte counts. I don't have a watch. Why should I have a watch app on there? Well, I can see why the watch app is there. To market the watch. But it's there ready to go when you buy the watch. It makes it a lot easier. Why can't I just remove apps like you can hide other apps that, that you don't want and then you can always bring them back i think the problem is it's obviously all too integrated for some of the stuff from when they shipped ios one and now trying to untangle it is is harder than they thought do you guys use stocks i do not i've never used stocks i don't have any stocks I was going to say to use Newsstand, but Newsstand became news, didn't it? So yeah, it's gone. Actually. What, what else is in there? Anybody have used Compass, really? Oh, I do. I used that the other day. Someone said, which way's north? Got out of Compass. <laughs> and did you know that Compass now has a spirit level in it? No, I did, because I, ha I have used that, actually. There I you was go. on an escalator. I, I wanted to know what angle the escalator was at, and I suddenly realised that I could use the spirit level within, within Compass. Game Centre, I don't really use that. See, I would, I would delete Game Center in a flash. Yeah. And also tips. Tips, yeah. Get rid of tips. You don't need that. Let's get rid of that. I, I don't know. I, I'm not actually that fussed about them. Not, not just to be contrary, but I've got a little folder called Apple Crap, and I just put those in there, and I forget about it. It's filed away on my third or fourth screen. The best Apple Crap folder I ever saw, somebody had signed it the poo emoji as the name of, of the folder. I thought that, mm -hmm. was, that was my favorite. Can I just take it an, another level? Can I yep. take us up a level? My hand is going up there another level. Surely, as time goes on and people download more stuff, the next thing that Apple will need to do, continuing this theme of removing stuff, obviously at the moment, I think with all music app purchases, you, you can hide certain purchases, right? So they're still in your cloud, they're still in your download history, but they're just hidden. Uh, I, th I think there needs to be a point where you can delete something from your iCloud purchase history because when you then get up a list of things which you've hidden previously downloaded that list over time is surely just getting longer. I find that with Apple TV and video purchases there's no way of deleting the stuff you're never going to watch ever again. I've got some free apps and free purchases I just think I don't I'm never going to watch you again I don't want you on my list cluttering up my list and I wish Apple would give us the option to you know even if it's like a triple dialogue box are you sure yes are you really sure yes you'll have to download this again if you if you do and we may have to charge you are you really 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 sure yes 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 that would be a great option to have. Well, Apple TV doesn't download anything, which is part of the problem. It just streams it straight down. So I can see why they leave it all up there, but it'd be nice to have the option to turn stuff off. Have you got one of the new Apple TVs? No, no, I've got the old one. I found out the other day on the new Apple TV, the Apple TV 4, with the new remote where you slide your thumb around. Some people are finding this disconcerting to use, but you can still use the old infrared remote on the new Apple TV if you get an old infrared, uh, infrared remote. And you can now use the remote app on the phone, which is good, because when it launched, that didn't work. 
Yeah, what? It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and on your watch as well. Yeah, I don't use the watch app for it, but I don't use watch apps. I rarely use my Apple TV anymore, really. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's good for some stuff, but I'm still struggling for a full, full-on use case for it. It's not a one-stop shop. It, it fits alongside a number of other things, but the Apple TV is a kind of all-in-one media hub for me. It isn't. Actually, we use Netflix on it. That's one thing we do on it, because it's the fastest Netflix account that's attached to my TV. It's much faster than TiVo. We use it for AirPlay. AirPlay video quite a lot. So if we've done, done some photos or videos during the day, throw those up to the TV, that's quite nice. But that's kind of what it gets used for. And occasionally, if there's a film they want to watch all the time, like Frozen, that'll be on there. You see, for us... Um, it's our Roku stick instead now, which we've had for a couple of years, didn't really use very much. And then because of where we have the television now, we don't actually have an aerial, we don't have an RF connection from the roof to our television. So everything is over IP. Everything. Everything's over IP. How many frustrations um, does that cause you, David? <laughs> well, actually, relatively few now, mainly thanks to this Roku stick, because we can, we, we've got iPlayer, 5, ITV Hub, Netflix, although we don't use Netflix, um, and Amazon Prime. And they're, they're really our sources of content. The only thing it doesn't have is, um, which I still have my Xbox 364, is the SkyPlayer app. How frequently do you have to reboot your broadband modem slash router you know, to keep all this kit running? I have power cuts here. Um, I've got poor electrics in the house. That's reboots for you. So it does tend to reboot for me, yes, unfortunately. I follow a Twitter, a Twitter account called Internet of Sh- Oh, so do I. I follow that too. Very funny. Okay, hey everybody, go and follow Internet of Sh- <laughs> During the week, they, they picked up on, on a product, which was basically a timer switch for your router that I guess, you know, every day at five past three in the morning or something, it turned it off and it, and it turned it on again. And I posted a comment saying, but who, what about a gadget to turn this on and off? You know, and it's like, how far do you go? <laughs> like, what if that fails? I mean, I did think of just getting a normal timer switch and having it click off on one segment in the middle of the night. Right, exactly. Surely, surely that's all you need. I went the other way and I've got a backup internet connection and a router that load balances between the two. So I don't have to get up if the internet goes down. Of course you have, Will. It works well. I've got a next door neighbour who, uh, who's, who's got a, uh, a public Wi-Fi hotspot hanging off the back thanks to their ISP. So when things fall down here, I just log on to their network there. That's your backup. Shall we move on to Apple stuff? Apple news. Apple yeah. news. So, Will, you, up until the point at which you got your iPhone 6S, you were quite happy with your 5S, weren't you? I was. I liked my 5S. It was full. It was just the right size for you, though, wasn't it? I liked the size. I didn't like the size of the 6. Whenever I saw it, I felt it was too big. That led me to think maybe I should get a 6 Plus. Because <laughs> if you're going to go big, you might as well go even That's bigger. That's what I did. And it was the battery life of the 6 Plus that I was most interested in. Because the battery life of my 5S was, it was getting pretty bad. And it was full. So I'd filled, filled the 64 gig. But there is about 30 gig of photos on there. Which I haven't managed to put into some archive system. So at the moment they get backed up every night to wow. iCloud, which means that they're on the phone and they're on iCloud. If I take them off the phone, they disappear from the iCloud backup. And 
I should look into using Apple Photos and finding out how that works, but it was easier to buy a bigger capacity phone. Coming back to the screen size, now that Apple has announced the iPhone SE, which looks to all intents and purposes like an iPhone you know, 5 or 5S, but with all the gubbins and performance of the iPhone 6S, would you, did you wish you'd waited? I don't wish I'd waited because I was... I would hit the end of life of my 5S. Initially, I thought with the rumours that it wouldn't have the specs it did. So I was a little bit annoyed that it did have all the latest specs, apart from the Touch ID sensor, which I think is slower. But I went into the Apple Store today to have a look at it. The first thing that struck me was how, how light it was. Yes, it is. It's too small, though. It's too small. It, it, yeah. Now I've had the success, I... I'd find it very hard to go back. Have you got tiny hands, Will? My hands are quite big. Is it, is it to do with hand size, Steady? It's more, I like to use my phone one-handed. That sounds a bit dodgy. I think I'm a two-handed person. Yeah, Yeah. no, I'm, I'm very much one-handed. And my biggest complaint about the success is how slippery it is. So without a case... It is slippery without a case, yes. So one-handed use without a case on a tile floor is always a mm. problematic... Okay, Will, if, if you buy an SE then, can I have your ridiculous add-on battery pack case thing? But that's the thing. Now I've got the case on my 6S. I mean, it's heavy. It is heavy. It comes in about... Actually, I worked this out earlier. I'll run the numbers by you. You do the math. The 6S and the case is 143 grams plus 102, which is 245 grams. Now, a 6S plus is 192 grams, so it's even heavier than a 6S Plus. And a 5SE is 113 grams. So it's it's less than half the weight of the 6S wow. with the smart battery case. Do you want to know a ridiculous but great tip that I, you mentioned the touch sensor there, because you said it was slower, so I read about a really great tip this week. So you know you can do multiple fingerprints, and the yes. idea is being you can, you can assign any finger. Well, someone said what they've done is that they've added their thumb like four different times, and they think it's quicker because it's, it's scanning, you know, for different positions of your, of your thumb. Huh? I actually find the sensor on the 6S is too fast. So, like, you can't see anything on the notification screen. You have to get used to using the side button to activate your phone. Yes. Or you have to use your nail on the... your thumbnail down on the button. Otherwise, you're straight into the phone without seeing anything. I'm with you there, brother. And I also, I'm, I'm never sure if everything I see in Notification Center is exactly what was on my lock screen. Sometimes it yep. feels like there are things missing. There may not be, but that's what it feels like. I've had that feeling, yes. You could have sworn there was something else there. Surely you get it on your watch as well. I do get it on my watch, unless my watch is in Do Not Disturb. What does the SE in uh, iPhone SE stand for? I think they said Special Edition. But it's also, it's a move away from numbers which I guess they're going to have to do eventually with all of the iPhones because they've kind of done it with the iPad and the MacBooks have no numbers. No, but, but they haven't for an awfully long time, though. Oh, don't get me started on the iPad. Don't get me started. <sighs> I think mobile is different. There is the, the push to sell a new phone every year and an incremented number does help with that. Yes, and I don't think that's the case with a MacBook or with an iPad in the same way. The other thing is the iPad Pro 9.7 inch, which which came out as well. I th I, no, yeah, oh. I have massive, I have massive issues with this. Can I? Can I just? Can <laughs> you I just go first, it? Jeff. If you've got massive issues. Oh my god! So it breaks my illogical 
mind. It hurts my head so much when people just with names and conventions and standards, and it's wrong. It's wrong. You you had your uh, you had your iPad, right? An iPad. The word iPad was associated with a 9.7-inch screen device. Okay, even if the original iPad and iPad 2 were slightly different, you know, it was it was a tablet of around, almost exactly the same size. When they brought out the smaller version and they called it the Mini, well, hey, you knew that the word Mini referred to a smaller version, to you know, a, full, a small a smaller footprint. So when they brought out the Pro, the Pro really meant large size version. So don't bloody well call a 9.7-inch iPad a Pro because really, what it is, it's the iPad Pro. Mini, and I, I think it should have just been, it, it should have been the iPad Air 3. It's not, it's not a Pro. Pro means the big one. Well, does it though? No, it doesn't. Because MacBook Pro doesn't mean the big one. No, you know, no, but we're talking about tablets. I'm talking about Macs. Dif- different, different, different kettle of fish. I, 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 I can see why they've done it, but it is wrong, Apple. At Apple support, that is, is wrong. I mean, it has support for the pencil, has support for the keyboard which the Air does not. Yeah so, yeah, so yeah, so just bring out the iPad Air 3 or 4, whatever number they're up to, and just say, no. hey, now with Apple Pencil support, etc. But then that's confusing, because surely only the Pro devices support the pencil and the keyboard. Well, then call it the iPad Pro Mini. <laughs> call it the iPad Pro Mini. <laughs> <laughs> we saw the same thing many years ago with the, with the MacBook range, didn't we, where, you know, they, they had the MacBook, that was their laptop, and then they went down the MacBook Air line, and they went down the MacBook Pro line. Eventually, the MacBook kind of disappeared, really. It's a way of getting people to pay more money for the same class of device, essentially. So you're right, it is an an iPad Air 3, but this time Uh it's the Pro model with four speakers and pencil support and whatever else. Like, it has a lot of things that were in the iPad Pro, the big one. Oh, it's better than the iPad Pro in terms of specs, in terms of the camera stuff in particular. The one thing I found out was that the big iPad Pro supports USB 3, whereas the smaller iPad Pro does not. You don't get everything. Oh, I didn't know that. Can I, can I just say, I, I guess in like a year's time, that when it all evolves, and I guess the only 9.7-inch iPad will be the Pro version. There won't be a non, non-Pro version I don't know. I think they might still sell the non-pro at, at a cheaper price. That's the way Apple always does it. But at some point, it, it will it, that 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 will go. Like even the iPad Mini will have will have uh, stylus support at, at some point, and so everything will be of that same. Unless that's the Mini Pro. <laughs> no, but then what's then what's the medium-sized one called? <laughs> that needs a name. It needs a name. The iPad Pro seven-inch or whatever the size of the Mini is. Oh, this is where the. The iPad line is aping the MacBook line. So that Pro 13-inch, Pro 15-inch, you know, Air 11-inch, Air 13-inch, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can... No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But I had a look at one of those again when I was in the Apple Store today. Uh, uh, what? Sorry, the... The new iPad Pro 9.7-inch. And I took a look at the 12-point... Is it 12.9-inch? Because I hadn't seen that yet either. It's very nice. It is. I mean, I have an iPad 2, so wow. anything compared to that. I mean, it's a really nice device. But even with the keyboard and the pencil, I'm struggling to see where I would use it over my 11-inch uh, MacBook Air, especially for things like just watching videos, watching Netflix. The Air has a 16-9 screen, 
Whereas the iPad doesn't, it has a 4.3 screen, so you're always going to have black bars. So ultimately the screen, the video size is going to be smaller. So they'll bring out a 16.9 iPad Pro and call it the iPad Pro 10, 12, 16. They'll give it some ridiculous number. But I don't think they will bring out a 16.9 tablet. That's the thing. They think that's the size, that's the ratio that they're doing tablets at. I just don't see what I would use it for over my MacBook Air. Even battery life is, isn't a concern with my MacBook Air. Will, as, as a video editor, do you think, do you think the day could come where, where you could actually do your job as a video, as a video editor on an, on an iPad? I can't see it. I can't see it. There's just something about using a proper computer for it. You can do good, decent enough video editing on an iPad. Is it professional level to, to the level at which I know you do stuff, Will, and, and you, Jeff? No, it isn't. But is, is it good enough for cutting some stuff? You know, if you're a journalist filing a report or something, you know, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Apps like Pinnacle Studio, hell, even Apple iMovie uh, on mobile are are very good, but they don't give you the, the power and flexibility that you have on a desktop. What if one day you had a, a tablet which had the processing, you know, number crunching capability of rendering full HD video, and then the other thing you need is actually a mouse and the mouse could like say plug into the keyboard which you now get for the iPad and then you might you might have a setup which works no a mouse and a keyboard get away I think there is no pointer support in iOS and the other thing I found actually even with the keyboard on the iPad so things like the command tab works you get a task switcher that's quite nice but you go into the settings app and you can't use the up and down left right arrows to kind of navigate through that so they're still not quite there with integrating just a keyboard into the iPad. And I just don't know how they would integrate a mouse into there as well. It's very much a touch device. I tell you what, though, if they come out next year with an iPad Mini Pro, I'm all over it. You heard it here first. I, I, I give you that name, right? Me. Yeah. How are you enjoying 9.3 and, and the slightly yellow setting after 10 p.m. at night? I've been using it. I've always had my phone. There's a setting in accessibility that allows you to overlay basically an opaque black screen on top of your screen. So it makes it cuts the brightness massively. I found even at the lowest brightness in a dark room, the mm. phone is too bright. Well, you mean, sorry, Will, you mean at night when you wake up at 3 a.m. and you think, oh, I'll just have a cheeky quick check of Twitter whilst in bed <laughs> with all the lights out. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> because, hey, sorry, bedtime is now the time when you move from checking Twitter on the couch to checking Twitter in bed. That, that, is, that is now the definition of bedtime. So I do have a bad habit of taking my phone to bed and then just continuing reading it until at some point it, I fall asleep and it hits me in the face. <laughs> do you actually do that? Do I do actually do that. Ever actually? <laughs> it really does. And it weighs 245 grams, so it's quite heavy to hit you in the face. <laughs> but I thought, I thought night shift might be the solution, but I still need to overlay the, um, 
the opaque screen to cut the brightness again. And now I'm basically just trying to not use my phone in bed. Jeff, how are you finding Night Shift? I noticed it when I was on the tube the other night and, it, and that's how I knew it had gone past 10 o'clock. It's quite a good way of telling when it's gone past 10 o'clock now without having to look at, at the clock. You're like, oh, my screen's just clock. Oh, it must be past 10 o'clock. I need to start thinking about going to bed. It's a good indication to say, hey, your day is coming to an end. Yeah, oh, it's weird when you, when you wake up before seven and obviously the first thing you do when you wake up at six in the morning is check your phone and it's like, oh, it's before seven. So it's telling you when, what time it is, really. Have you put it on the really extreme setting or have you got it kind of towards the middle? No, I've just gone for default. What's the really extreme setting? It goes really red. It goes red? It goes really red. Okay. But it affects the scrolling. So when you're scrolling through items on the screen, the red bits almost scroll at a different speed to the other bits. It's very weird. Dial it back. How about you, David? What, uh, how have you found iOS 9.3? Well, I found iOS 9.3 an absolute pain in the ass, frankly. Oh, yeah, you had the problem with Safari, didn't you? Problem with mail for me. So what was the actual problem? So you can't click on links in emails when you do try and, I say click, tap on a link to open it up in a browser or even to copy that link to manually open it up in a browser. But wouldn't work and it crashed the mail app and that was a real real pain and you know I went down to for a couple of different reasons actually but I went down to the Apple store in uh, Kingston where I live and there was a long queue there there was a long queue of people whose phones had either been entirely bricked their iPads had been bricked because they couldn't remember the Apple ID they first used when they registered it I haven't seen that irate a queue outside an Apple store normally queues outside Apple stores are happy joyous occasions but that certainly wasn't the case so when 931 came out I was very relieved and that's fixed the problem yes it has you know my phone it works woo that's kind of good I know this is off topic I I had a genius bar appointment the other day in which they solved a problem would would you like to uh here briefly yeah i noticed on my phone that i couldn't really hear um out of the speaker you know when pressed against my ear uh, in l- loud noisy environments and i realized that um, i was getting a lot of the top a lot of the, like the treble was coming through but um, there wasn't any bass and you are all about the bass aren't you jeff i am all about the bass no treble so i took it in to i made a genius bar appointment online to the bromley uh, apple store uh, and the guy went, oh, yeah, no problem. We get this all the time. And I was like, what? And he disappeared. He literally went out the back for two minutes and came back. And he went, here, try it now. And he rang me. And boom, like, it was as if, like, you know, all the volume had come back. And he, he kind of gave me, like, a slightly bored answer. He went, oh, there's like a... He went, he said something like, you get a static dust buildup, you know, in the, in the earpiece there. And you just kind of clean it out with, with, with a tool. So he basically went behind and blew the dust out of your earpiece. Did, did he get a tool? Did he blow it? Is it static or is it dust? I don't know. But he did say, no, we see a lot of these. So if you find that you're, you can no longer hear the base, the base, you know, of, 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 of your phone call, that one, try blowing on it. Two, take it to your uh, Apple store. And they'll blow on it for you. They'll magically <laughs> clean it out for you. Any other iOS 9.3 discoveries your side, David? Well, um... <laughs> I know, I know where you're going. <laughs> yes, there, there, there is one discovery um, which I have to uh, doff my cap to um, a BBC journalist called Nick Garnett. So this thing also came out, I think, relatively recently. This is the uh, USB 3 uh, camera connection kit. It's got lightning on one side just there, and it's got another lightning there and a USB 3 adapter just there. 
all well and good. Um, and a number of times with my old connector, I've tried to plug things into my phone just to see if it works. And it says, oh, your iPhone isn't providing enough power or this device needs needs more power. So this, this kind of powered version is... Um, is meant to defeat that and the fact that it's USB 3 as well but only on an iPad Pro 12.9 inch so this this still works it does work but I don't think it works at USB 3 speed right yeah exactly I think inside the port there are extra connectors on the 12.9 inch iPad Pro because there aren't enough on a standard lightning to give you USB 3 speeds but anyway um I mean, I, I think this is interesting in a number of ways. First of all, the fact that, you know, we're looking at daisy-chained lightning devices and with some of the rumours that have been flying around over the last few months about um, Apple doing away with a 3.5mm microphone headphone jack, seeing little daisy-chained devices like this, that kind of makes a bit of sense. The interesting thing is, and where I'm going with this, is that all of a sudden you can start adding on other devices like this to your phone. This is a USB 3 hub plus an RJ45 Ethernet adapter as well. You can plug your iPhone or your iPad into the Ethernet, into hardwired cabled network connection now, which is kind of really useful for a number of use cases, I think, to be fair. Particularly people who are doing uh, live video, live audio stuff. I do a lot of radio um, interview bits and bobs with um, a kind of virtualized DN line bit of software, but kind of reliant upon their being a decent Wi-Fi or decent cellular connection in order for the signal not to drop out, which when you're live on air can be a bit of a pain. Having it hardwired into a network is amazing. Is this Apple approved or is it completely hooky? Apple enabled this with iOS 9.3, 9.3.1 that I noticed, but net, but didn't make a big deal of it. I tried it Friday night on my iPad uh, Mini 2, which was still on iOS 9.2, and it didn't work. Then I upgraded it, and all of a sudden it did work. So it's, it's, it's definitely something that Apple has enabled. The only reason that you know that you are using the Ethernet is that you put your device into airplane mode. So there's no cellular, if, if applicable, and there's no Wi-Fi. So it, it's not an accident. Clearly, Apple has got a bit of stuff in there that is, you know, giving it a virtual Ethernet port. It's getting an IP address. Again, that has to be a bit of software that's in the iOS operating system. There's no accident here. This is deliberate. And I think this is part of the proification of the iPad line, if I'm honest. There are some stealth devices that work over the camera kit, but... Apple won't tell you which ones. It's a case of buying the adapter and seeing what, plugging it in and seeing if it works or not. So I've been using the Samsung HDX1 wireless uh, 2.4 gig uh, microphone kit for the last few days, and that works an absolute dream over USB. And, that, and that's interesting that it works with iPhone, iPad, as well as laptop. Probably some other camera bits and bobs as well. I think, you know, for less than 100 quid, absolute stonking bit of kit, and the sound quality is. Very good. I hadn't had any dropouts either, although I know some other people who have. Very useful. I mean, I guess this is also part of making an iPad more like a laptop because there is no USB port on an iPad and there probably never, ever will be. There is with one of these. But there is with that, which... But then it's all a bit clunky. It's a bit like the new MacBook, which only has the one USB-C port. Mac, don't, Mac, Will, 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 don't you dare say that that's like, oh, I don't like that. Because when that came out, I was totally dismissive. And you're like, no, 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 Jeff. No, it's, it's the way, it's the future. I'm totally down with it. So don't you dare say now that you're not down with it. Well, at the moment, I'm not down with it because it doesn't support Thunderbolt. And in the future, 
Thunderbolt will run over that USB-C connection. I'm not sure about the single port, unless you've got... <laughs> that is completely the opposite to what you said when it came out. <laughs> like, 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 I can verbatim remember you telling me how you were right and I was wrong. It depends what you're using it for. I wouldn't want it on a video <laughs> editing machine. I would maybe no. want it on a general machine that's just used for Netflix and email. No, I, I, to, to defend Will there, th this was a conversation we had when the MacBook came out. Is you know, is it a beautiful little bit of kit, minimalist, all the rest of it? Yeah, definitely. Is it a heavy lifting, video editing, or whatever, you know, content creation powerhouse that you want to plug drives into? Absolutely not. So should we move on to Jeff and digital tapes, or, or analog tapes, in fact? Digitizing analog tape. As if by magic, I happen to have one right here in my hand. Look at that. Do you have a pen to go with it? This is a TDK limited edition. It comes in like a like a like like a clamshell style case, and they were they cost a pound more. I had a white one and a black one. They came in as a white shell and a, and, a, and, a, and a black one. I don't know what I did with the white one. For those of you that haven't seen my video, which I think is you, Will, would you like to know my story? I've seen it. I'd just like to... I want to explore the backstory. Oh, you, you watched my video? I did. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Gosh. I watched it. I commented, Jeff. I commented. I saw your comment, David. I didn't reply because I thought, no, I'm not going down that road. <laughs> what do you want to know about the backstory, Will? What was your inspiration? Where were these tapes that then led you? So the inspiration came from my uh, other half's father, who, when we moved house last year, said something along the lines of, what the bloody hell have you got in all these boxes then? As he was like lifting them up the stairs as, as he helped us move. And you thought, good point. And I thought, yeah. And I found a lot of old three and a half inch floppy disks, uh, a lot of old mini disks, uh, some NAB carts if you know what a nab cart is don't go type that into google people and uh many 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 uh 90 minute uh almost exclusively tdk because i think i was, I was a brand snob um cassette tapes and i thought i cannot just throw these away i must digitize them what kind of content was on them was it music was it radio was it your own personal thoughts the majority uh, sadly enough and i'm gonna i'm gonna have to admit it otherwise david's gonna mentioned anyway uh, I did I did student radio when I was 18 and a lot and I basically I'd recorded every single and I do mean every single student radio show that I ever did but that is worth keeping yeah no they're kind of fun to listen back I imagined you had like recordings of the top 40 no I did I also I think I had I taped every single radio one Sunday night top 40 show in 1987 or 1988 I've got I've got those all but what's great this is the great bit is the it's, it's the songs like yeah I remember the songs it's the bits in between the songs so there's the adverts not on the BBC stuff I tape but the ever and then the news is all like the news clips the news archives because the tape would run on you get the top of the hour news and and it was all talking about Thatcher and and you know and and uh, Gorbachev and all these old old news events from like the 1980s it was great there's one guy who went through his vhs collection from the 80s and cut out all of the programs and just took the ads and uploaded them as a single chunk of file of ads from the 80s oh it's amazing yeah it's a, it's a beautiful piece of, of history and you know uh, historians in years to come will love the fact that 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 he did that and he's kept it all yeah you saw the point i made in my video i took 158 cassettes I got into a bit of an argument with someone because I can, I made them MP3. I made I made them MP3, and, and some and some guy was saying, "Yeah, I I wanted to know about this." <laughs> well, okay, but the point is, is that I don't know how you'd measure the bandwidth of an old TDK cassette, but it's not 
exactly 16-bit 44K audio, is it? So you don't need to make it as a flat lossless because it's all, it's already shitty quality. You just seemed quite stingy with your bandwidth allocation. I think you said it was like 64K? No, I did, no, no, I did not. No, I did, I did 64, I did 96, I did 128, and I thought I can get away with 96 here. It's not about the quality of the recording, it's the memory that it invokes. And a lot of them, here's the weird thing, here's the, when I did the student radio station, the student radio tapes, they broadcast on an AM frequency. And even though within the studio, you, 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 you could record, you know, studio quality, just to be a bit geeky and anoraki, I often used to like, I often used to record my show off air. So I had, I, I had an AM recording of, 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 of my show. But it just seems a lot of effort to go to, to then just skimp on, the, especially because you only filled a 16 gig card. You could have got a 32 gig for two pound more. It's, it's fine, it's fine. I've done it. Um, I've taken them down the recycling depot, the plastic pile, they've all been recycled. Have you, are they all gone now? Well, uh, no, I've kept, I've got over there on my shelf, you can't see, I've got a pile of about 10, there's about 10 tapes which I, I think that, that were kind of special to me, you know, like a compilation, like my favourite. And what was the process to actually capture these? I, as if my magic right here. I have the cassette. <laughs> it's like we prepared this, isn't it? It's, it this was, I bought this, as you can see, this is a Panasonic, try, I want to get the model number. Uh, it's a metal stop, auto stop tape capability machine. It's a, it's a, it's a Walkman. It, I paid £17 for this. In about 1986, 87, I bought it from a hi-fi store in Godalming, in Godalming High Street, and, and it takes two AA batteries, and it's it's just a 3.5 headphone out. So you literally just put that into your computer? I, I have a mixer, but I do these other things. I put it via my mixer. My mixer goes into my PC. I would get up most mornings, and about 8 a.m. in the morning, as I, you know, caught up on all the blogs and Twitter and had a shower and stuff, I would do just one 45-minute segment every morning and then at sort of nine o'clock go, right, done. And then I just do that. I did that every day for, for s several months of my life. Apart from transferring these uh, into 2016, um, did you do any metadata logging on there as well? Sorry, this is a really geeky question, but do you know what's in them? Yes. <laughs> so, uh... Most of them, I just had scribbled on the, on the label. Some of them I'd written on the, on the sleeves. And so, yeah, so it's just in a plain text file at the moment. But every time, every time I did it, I, I wrote down, you know, the date and, and, and then some of, a, a few key words at the very least of, of what some content is, is, is on there. What you want to do is to test some transcription services with this and use that to make it a kind of searchable archive. You're with me, aren't you? Well, <laughs> I am, I am. All I'm going to say is, but what I've really enjoyed, what I've really, really enjoyed is just having it uh, on my iPhone in my, in my iTunes and then just, and just randomly uh, being able to sit on the train and, and play in effect an old cassette tape from 20 years ago. And it's, it's weird hearing it now in 2016. That's why you didn't want to spare the bits. Because you thought, I'm putting it on my iPhone, and I've only got 16 gig. Because of my poor 16 gig of my iPhone. <laughs> but what I said in my video, which you should all go and totally watch, is, look, here, I've converted all my tapes down to 16 gigabytes. And I, and I theorised about the fact that, you know, in the future, we'll, we'll be able to squeeze even more data into an even smaller physical space. And you guys are going, oh, but everything's in the cloud, Jeff. But yeah, but what, what is the cloud? The cloud is somewhere... You know, a server farm, 
you know, with whether it be optical or mechanical, you know, or some kind of like physical drive. The cloud is somebody else's computer. And I know, I know that, you know, my iTunes in the cloud is in eight servers all over the world and, and it just serves up the nearest one to where I am. But it's still physically being held somewhere. And the great thing is, is that one day you will actually just be able to have, you know, a device which does has, has, has access to everything because people like me are logging things. And just as time goes on, more and more stuff is being digitized. And, and uh, we, we won't be alive to see it. But at some point in, in the future, from your handheld device or whatever you have, or whether it's like in some Google Glass, you'll just be able to access anything that ever was. I think you can transpose that argument, you know, even to where we are right now. I mean, you say we're nearly there. If you'd have said to someone, 15 years ago, hey, you know, in in 2012, you will have a little slab of plastic in your pocket that gives you instant access to the entire knowledge of the human race. But then they'd say, what do you do with it? And you'd say, I look at pictures of cats and argue with strangers. What I meant was uh, to to the point where I've gone and digitised like radio shows that I did, but I'd like to think at some point in in the future, like the BBC have got loads of archives, like why couldn't you just be on the train one morning in a few years time going I want to hear the breakfast show from uh, 1993 what was Simon Mayo doing you know and then and then it's at that kind of level of accessibility where everything is accessible or you or you go I want to listen to Radio 1 please and it goes sure from which date <laughs> would you like that depends on what they've captured themselves like I imagine a lot of it they they made pretty they kept it for a week I don't know what was this process no no but I think in the last few years, there's been a point where we're now in a phase where I think everything is now... It feels to me as if everybody now is, is capturing everything. Uh, but we won't see the benefit of that. But, you know, in the next generation... I think we're capturing too much. I worry about the amount of data our kids are going to have to go through. Because, like I said, I've got 32 gig of photos and video that's on my phone. And that is just a chunk of thousands of photos and that's from basically since i had an iphone so that's been what six seven years something like that there are photos elsewhere there's just these massive data dumps that they're gonna have to deal with i want to throw in another uh question that that's uh linked do you think youtube will exist forever because youtube is a data dump essentially of all video or or, uh, that's my whole point i think in time it will be all video everything will get captured and dumped there. But what if it ceases to be? Or surely it will evolve into something else, right? I think the way it is at the moment where there is enough advertising revenue to support serving that content, it will continue. It's just whether that dynamic changes in the future. But I think kids growing up now, you'll you'll have like a 10-year-old today, well, 10-year-old, 8-year-old, 7-year-old, you know, that for his birthday got his first tablet downloaded the YouTube app or because it was there by default and is now born into a world where he expects to be able to access any old archivable clip. So you, you've, you've set that as a, as a state of mind. So in the future... We're already there, mate. Yeah. So in the future, people will just expect to be able to access anything that ever was. And that is that will be the norm. My daughter, she's six. She has this expectation already. You know, w- watching linear television where she has no control over what program is next, it, it just feels totally, totally alien to her because she's used to on-demand. You know, that is all she's known from when she was first accessing content on on the iPad or, you know, even on the TV when we've got, you know, Amazon or Netflix up. 
So I dare to suggest then that YouTube will evolve into a service that is one that is, yes, here, here, here is your portal that lets you access everything. Because at the moment, it's just, just so we're getting out, I'm, I'm thinking of it myself. At the moment, it's a service whereby people create content and, and you have channels and, and it's paid for by advertising. But would that not evolve in, into a, a service where it's expected <clears throat> that people should just be able to, maybe even for free, access anything they want? My problem with all of these things is that they work now and it's a bit like the tapes it's like vhs and you get used to them but then you skip on five years and they might not be there well there's a bbc show called attachments which i've always wanted to watch again but they've never released it on dvd but you can buy it on ebay on vhs for a series about the early days of the web Bizarrely, it's not available on iPlayer, it's not available on the BBC Store, and currently it's only available on VHS on eBay. And so I was looking into buying it on eBay, and then I thought, hang on, I've not got a VHS player. So I'd then, I'd then have to go and buy a VHS player, and I thought there must be like a clever one with like USB, you just plug it, no. No one makes VHS players anymore. Well, I've got a VHS. We should have, we should have done this last year. Last year, I spent three months of my life converting all my VHS tapes to MP4 videos. I've already I've already done that. What bit rate did you use for them? <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, if you really want to know, I could look it up. But let's let's save that for next time. But that's my point: is that you can get used to being in a certain time and everything being accessible, and you literally spin on five years, and you can no longer access stuff that you just took for granted. Well, the JPEG photo format has been around, I want to say, since 1990 now. So 26 years, and, we've, and, and JPEGs are still all readable, right? But if it's stored on those big black cards with silver contacts on, I think it was called Smart Media. Can you find a reader for that now? On eBay, I can, yeah. But like, it becomes less and less available on eBay. We become accustomed to these things, and there is no way of future-proofing it all. Well, no, because we don't know what the future will hold, but we just have to go through a process like Jeff's gone through from analogue to digital, at least in the future, from digital to digital, it'll be a lot easier. As long as you make sure you move your digital to the next format before you lose access to the current format, which just sounds like a lot of housekeeping. The best comment I had on my YouTube video, at the end, I lamented the fact about the fact that I no longer had my mini disc player, so how could I convert all my mini discs? I've got a mini disc. Have you, uh, can I borrow it, please? We've got a mini disc, just not a VHS player. So, I'll, sw I'll swap you my VHS player for, for your mini disc player. Anyway, somebody went, oh, you should, you should try one of these. Th these work, and it wasn't April 1st. I don't think they're being funny. And he suggested that what you did, do you remember you could get old, in the days of CD, oh my God, in the days of CD, you could get small CDs, and there was, there was a plastic ring, so, you, so a three-inch CD would fit in a five-inch CD holder. And they said, if you take the mini disc out... <laughs> of its case and put it and put it on these things it'll read it i think it was based on cd technology but it used compression but i don't know whether the drive would actually recognize it that's the thing i want to say it was called a track a t r a c a track it was it was a track a t r a c i like mini disc i really like mini disc as a format i don't i don't know why it failed things move on at least it was better than the digital cassette dcc there's a whole channel on, on YouTube. I think it's called T Tech Guy. That, yeah, and he's got all the old gear. Oh, I can, it's, it's so much fun to watch. What's that channel? What's it called again? I can't remember. Techno Man or something.
It's good. I'll, I'll dig it out and find okay. out. For next time. Maybe each week we should, we should have like a, a retro spot where we talk about a bit of old technology. Reminisce about technology gone. How was the Gadget Show? The Gadget Show was a long distant memory. It was, it was good. Very busy this year. They condensed it because it used to be like a week long. I used to go down on the Easter Monday and then the Tuesday was the press day and then all the way through to the following Sunday. And it's the same week every year just after the Easter uh, bank holiday weekend things because of school holidays, I suppose. But they made it four days this year, which personally I thought worked really well because, you know, they had the same number of visitors as far as I could tell, just squeezed into a much shorter space of time. And it meant everyone who was working there just it was it was less time away from the family and less time away from home. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was a good show. Good toys. Good toys. It was all the stuff that you would expect, to be honest with you. Virtual reality was very big there. HTC and NVIDIA had a big thing for the HTC Vive Pre. Big gaming stage, lots of drones, lots and lots of drones, all with 4K cameras attached to them and follow me type drones. I wouldn't say there was anything innovative there in terms of consumer tech. There was a whole kind of British inventors thing. And that's something the Gadget Show Live has run for the last three years now trying to find the you know best British invention of the year but apart from that I, I sense some frustration from the journalist and from the kind of general tech community that the gadget show is not a CES or a, a mobile world congress it is a funny one it's a consumer event you know CES and MWC are trade events they're press events they're you know business affairs where brands launch their big new toys Gadget show isn't that at all. It's it's not meant to be that, but I think people are wanting it to be something that it isn't, which is where some of the frustration comes from. But good show? It was a good show. I had a good time. I mean, I've worked there for the last five years or so, really. Did you have a stage this year? Yes. So there are a number of stages dotted around. There's the arcade stage. There's the innovation theatre. There's the super theatre, which is where all of the big guys do their thing. You know, Jason and John and Otis and, and Amy. I run something called the Connect Theatre. It used to be called the Hub Theatre um, when Aled and Lucy Hedges did that a few years ago. They, they rebranded a couple of years ago. So it's myself and a guy called John Mason, largely on there. And um, yeah, we were just getting tech and getting it working on stage. I rode around on some fun things. We've kind of flew some fun things. Top 10 tech of 2016. The normal sort of stuff, really. You know, we had some phones and we had some gadgets and it was packed. You know, it's a 300-seater little theatre. Quite a big theatre, actually. Blooming hard work. I lost my voice uh, come the end of it. End of Fraculous. If your puny human minds can handle more, then follow on Twitter. At sign F-R-A-C-K-U-L-O-U-S. Or individually. At sign David McClelland. D-A-V-I-D-M-C-C-L-E-L-L-A-N-D. At sign Jeff Tech. G-E-O-F-F-T-E-C-H At sign Will Head W-I-L-L-H-E-A-D Email your brains to Hello At sign Fraculous.com Hello Tosh Got a Toshiba? But Jeff, talk to me about losing your voice because when I last heard from you on Friday yeah. night... You were yeah. pretty hoarse yourself, and there's a big story behind that, isn't there? I led 20, 
uh, one people around the tube network for the third time, uh, for the third time, uh, third year in a row, annual, annual event to get to all the stations. And so I was like the maestro for the day, you know, saying to people, change here, up these escalators. And so for 19 hours, we were at it. And at about 2 p.m. in the afternoon, it, it started to croak. And by 7 p.m., it was like, and I could hardly talk at all. And then I didn't say much for about an hour. And then uh, I, you must have seen a very croaky periscope I did on an overground train. I missed all of your periscopes that day. Every time I tried <laughs> to join one, you'd finish. No way, I did about four or five. My voice is only, I say it's about 90% now. Can you hear? It's a little bit, it's a little bit of a husk to it, but it's, it's come back. I also missed you by minutes in Walthamstow. Oh. I, well, when I got, Will, when I got to Walthamstow, I, we were in the bus station, I'm thinking, do I just text Will and go, I'm in the bus station, but then we got a bus within five minutes. So. I just left the shopping center by the bus station. <laughs> I only found out when I got back. So yeah, that was all good. So I did my usual, my, my annual jaunt around the tube. David, I think you should come next year. Do you know what? If I had have known that you were doing it and, you know, I've only been dipping in and out of social media out of necessity, really, this last week or so. So yeah, it huh? completely evaded me that you'd done that. I would have loved to have done it. I think we need to put your name down for next year. So this is charity. Oh, totally charity. Yeah. I don't want to go into specifics, uh, but, you know, because some people obviously raise more than others. But the rule is you can't come unless you get yourself up a just giving account. And between... What, 26 of us, we got just over, just, just over £17,000, which I wow. think is about £500 per person. That's incredible. So I was like, well, and it's and everyone picked their own charity, but, you know, um, we got eight grand the first year, 10 grand last year, 17 grand this year. That's amazing. How do you know your way around the tube network, Jeff? I've, I've done it before. I've done it before. <laughs> it's not my first. It's not my first time. Why did you spend so much time on the tube network? What would qualify you for an event to walk around the tube? Is what I'm getting at. Is, it, is there something specific you're asking here, Will? That I'm not. I'm not getting. Did you hold a, a world record at any point that was related twice, to the tube? Twice. Twice. I've had that record to do it in the fastest time possible. What does that entail, Jeff? So to, oh, visiting all the stations, you don't have to get out at every one, but just you pass through them on a train and you do it as quick as you can in one day. You get. I was in the 2014 Guinness Book of Records. Yes, I was. Wow. So t tell me what the world record is um, at the moment. Now it's ridiculous. So when I held it, it was 16 hours, 20 minutes. Then somebody shaved six minutes off it, got it down to 16, 14 Wow. Someone's now beaten that, and it's down to like 15 hours 45, which... So there's me and a team of us that study this, and we're thinking that's pretty damn impossible to beat. What does it come down to, really? Is it chance on the day? Is it your roots? Yeah, all of it, all of it. So making the right decision if something goes wrong, running fast enough to along a street, you know, to get to a station to make a connection, not having anything break down. But sometimes a late running train can sometimes help you out, because say if there's a gap of 10 minutes... And there's a train due at zero zero, and a train due at ten past, and you get there at two minutes past, and normally you get the ten minutes past train. What if the zero zero train was running two minutes late, and you just got it at two minutes past, and so you made an instant connection rather than having to wait, and that then helps you further down the line and maybe make up an, an extra train. So I've known people that have benefited from late running trains, and a couple of occasions you have to get a bus to make a connection, and if you wait five minutes for a bus, that slows you down. If you run out outside the station, a bus is just you know instantaneously there, then that really helps you. And how does it compare to walking it? What was the time for walking it? So the world record, if you do it as fast as possible, you're looking at around 16 hours. Uh, we should have done it in 18 hours, but we had delays as well, so that bumped us up to 19 hours. Old Gate East again, wasn't it? 
there was a fire alert at Allgate, and we got we got screwed over at Allgate. Yeah, yeah. So, but it adds it adds two hours to your day. Well, I say walking. You know, we mm. we we did jog a little in some places, but at a brisk walk, you it adds two hours overall to your total time. But you genuinely made all was it two hundred and seventy at the moment? All two hundred all two hundred and sixty stations. Which yes, we, so we started at five forty five, finished at around uh, midnight something. It was a long day. And did you do the competition route, the world record route? No, no, we don't give that away. So we, <laughs> we, we uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a secret. Yeah, that's on a spreadsheet on my computer mm. over there in the background, which you can't see. Well, listen, Jeff, cracking work, though, I have to say, again, you know, Thanks. this is, it's legendary stuff. And the fact you're able to turn this into an enterprise that other people can get involved with. I say an enterprise, it's not as though you benefit from it, but, you, you know, something that many people can enjoy and raise a lot of good money for charity. It sort of is becoming an enterprise, but it started because people always go, oh, can we come with you? And I'm like, well... You'll slow me down. I like doing it just with people I know and people you trust that you build up Mm -hmm. a a friendship with. And then I'm thinking, well, let's let's take some people around for a bit of fun. And now I'm amazed at how many people actually want to do it for fun slash charity. So it has kind of grown into like a social enterprise thing. Well, we had a 62-year-old woman come along on Friday and oh, she wow. was she's like a grandmother and she was loving it and she was in her running shoes and she was quite fit and she was she was she was really enjoying herself. Anyone can do it. Even you even you guys. I'd love to. <laughs> I would. You just don't invite me to these things, Jeff. Really? I can't imagine you two doing it. I really I can't. What are you saying we can't do it? We should try and beat Jeff's time, David. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, see, no, okay, hang on. But th- this is the thing, right? When you initially tell someone about this, they look at you like you're absolutely that crazy. But what I have inadvertently done, I feel, through a presence on the, the internet and, and YouTube and stuff, is I've sort of made it more socially acceptable and, as I say, like an enterprise. And, and the fact that, that you two are now going, that i'm like jesus christ if i can win you two round then i can win anybody around i knew about this record before i met you jeff but you would have never have considered doing it well i kind of thought about it for five minutes it's just it's a great thing to look at a tube map and have it all ticked off and, and go yeah like, I've, I've i've done that people live in london their entire lives and they never go to mill hill east you know i look at a map and i think <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can tell you what's at mill east it's an asda is what's at mill east it's a giant supermarket haven't you just sat on the northern line and thought, what if I just got this train to Mill and not to High Barnet? What would happen? I'd be late. That's what would happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've sat on a tube and I've tried to memorise the entire length of the Jubilee line station by station, trying to remember the order of them. Stanmore, <laughs> Kingsbury, <laughs> Queensbury, <laughs> Candace Park. <laughs> okay. I, I trust you completely that you know that, but that's about as far as I've got. <laughs> I was really bored, and I think we were stuck somewhere around Southwark that day. Yeah, I can do all lines apart from the district line, because the eastern end up where your Dagenhams and Hornchurches are, that gets a bit tricky. 